Welcome to Glasgow Evangelicals Podcast. Thanks for listening with us today. Our hope is that today's sermon equips you to live the gospel joyously. Come along with us as we learn to live the gospel together. Hey, if you are three years old to fifth grade, you can head on out of here to Kids Church. And for those of you parents that uh, can go pick them up after after church, just head right over there and, and grab them. If you have your Bibles, why don't you flip open with me to Genesis chapter 39. And we started a new series uh, last week called Reunion and Redemption Through the Life of Joseph. And uh, if you remember, the, uh, the definition of reunion is this. It is the act or process of being brought together again as a unified whole. And redemption is the action of saving or being saved from sin, error, or evil. And the whole point is, is when we look at Jesus' life, we see complete reunion and redemption. And when we look back at some examples, we can even look at some uh, allusions of Joseph's life in there. And today is an interesting topic, and I think that God works things out pretty well, but in the midst of a very serious problem that we are facing in America with coronavirus, I, I think it uh, causes us to go, wait a second, um, we can't just sit back and bury our heads in the sand like I've said before, but it is one of those things where we need to look at things incredibly seriously. If, if uh, there are some of you who um, definitely uh, have to run a business, I know that you have to sit there and go, well, wait a second, I mean... What if, what if we have to quarantine somebody for a week? Do they, do they still get paid? Or two weeks, do they, do they still get paid? What happens when people aren't buying things? What, it hurts the bottom line, right? And how do we help out families the most? And man, we should be encouraging people to be safe and don't take extra risks. And that is absolutely all true. And we think about all these things and man, it can dizzy us. But I think today there's a little bit of hope in the life of Joseph, and um, we'll see that in a second. But let's, let's read it together, Genesis chapter 39, and I'm going to read the whole chapter today, um, uh, unlike um, kind of taking separate routes. But I, I want to I read the whole one to you today because I, I think that it just really pushes us to see, man, how, how does Joseph deal with hardship that comes upon his life? And so let's read it together. Uh, Genesis 39, 1 through 23. So here we go. When Joseph was taken up or was taken to Egypt by the Ishmaelite traders, he was purchased by Potiphar, an Egyptian officer. Potiphar was captain of the guard for Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. The Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success in everything he did. This pleased Potiphar, so he soon made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and everything he owned. From the day Joseph, go back for me, sorry. There, <laughs> from the day Joseph was put in charge of his master's household and property, the Lord began to bless Potiphar's household for Joseph's sake. All his household affairs ran smoothly, and his crops and livestock flourished. So Potiphar gave Joseph complete administrative responsibility over everything he owned. 
With Joseph there, he didn't worry about a thing except what kind of food to eat. Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded, but Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me in everything in his whole entire household. No one here has more authority than I do. He has held, he has held back nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. She kept putting pressure on Joseph day after day, but he refused to sleep with her, and he kept out of her way as much as possible. One day, however, no one else was around when he went in to do his work. So she came and grabbed him by his cloak, demanding, come and sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away, but he left his cloak in her, cloak in her hand as he ran from the house. When she saw that he was holding his cloak and he had fled, she called out to her servant. Soon all the men came running. Look, she said, my husband has brought this Hebrew slave here to make fools of us. He came into my room and ra to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream, he ran outside and got away, but he left his cloak behind with me. She kept the cloak with her until her husband came home. Then she told him her story, that Hebrew slave has you've brought into my house, tried to come in and make a fool out of me. She said, but when I, when I screamed, I ran out, he ran outside, leaving his cloak. So now you can go back. There you go. Leaving his cloak with me. Potiphar was furious with when he heard his wife's story about how Joseph had treated her. So he took Joseph and threw him into the prison where the king's prison, prisoners were held. And there he remained. But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prisoner warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in prison. The warden had no, wor more, no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. Would you pray with me? Lord, this is quite a story. And it's a snippet of just one man's life who was wrongly accused, who wanted to do his best in your kingdom. So God, is this morning as we just unpack it, Lord, would you, would you help us to see what's going on, but would you help us to understand the greater story of you and what you're doing in this world? God, we love you and we thank you for being our God. In your holy name we pray, amen. Have you, have you ever been lost like legitimately, like turned around so much, you don't know where north is or south is or east or west is. I, I grew up and my dad used to always say, you've got to always know where north is, right? And so I, I grew up in Billings, which is always really easy. North was the rims, right? You just have to look and there's this big, huge rock thing in Billings. And hey, there's north if I just keep that there. Well, one time I went to, I had to do a wedding for some friends of mine uh, down in Texas. And uh, those were before the days in which I was willing to pay for data on my phone. And so I didn't have any GPS or anything on that. But I decided that I was going to download MapQuest, right? So take all the pictures and print all the MapQuest out. And for those of you who don't know what MapQuest is, please raise your hand because then I'll tell you later. But anyway, uh, so MapQuest, I, I thought that I had all these things and I, and I printed off the whole entire packet and I would flip through it as I'm driving. But I left the hotel that day to, to go to, uh, to, to get to the wedding rehearsal and I got all sorts of turnaround. 
Like, I, I think that I was, like, headed on this, like, weird um, clover leaf something or other, right? And so I'm just like, I don't know which ways are up or down. Or, and all of a sudden, I just remember getting incredibly frustrated. I got so frustrated, I actually started, I started literally, my family is in the car with me, and my wife is next to me, and I started punching the steering wheel. I was so mad and upset. I was screaming, I was yelling, I was just like, what is wrong? And then, you know, then you start yelling at yourself, what's wrong with me? Why can't I get anything right, right? Like, you just start going down that path. And my wife was like, whoa, like, get a hold of yourself, kid. That's just directionally. How many of you guys have just been lost in life? Don't know where you're going, don't, don't know what's going on? There's this movie quote that my dad used to always share with us in this movie, Quigley Down Under, and there's this guy walking through the desert with this crazy woman, and she just keeps on saying, like, are we lost? Are we lost? Are we lost? And he keeps on saying, no, no, no. And then finally he says, yep, yep, we're lost. Yep, we're lost. And under his breath he says, he says, don't know where we're going, but there's no use being late. I can think of the whole idea of just being lost with no direction. God, what am I doing next? Some of us are in that very boat. Our, our marriages have kind of gotten off a little bit center. Our relationships with our parents or our relationship with, uh, with our coworkers are just completely off center. We don't know how to get it back on track. We think we can start doing some of the old things we do, but those things don't work. Or we're so far gone that we're like, how am I ever going to get it back? That's the thing about being lost is actually when we have a little bit of a center, it's easy to go, ha, ah, there we go. It's just like in Billings. You get lost. You look at the rims. That's north. If I keep heading there at some point, I'll, I'll, get, I'll, I'll hit something. I think when the world is going astray around us, it's really easy to kind of get off center and kind of get in this idea of, yeah, we're lost. The unknown is something that's incredibly hard for us. The economic impact of the things that are going on around us, the, the things of just going, what, what is going on around us? The not knowing, and you enter into this story where Joseph is sitting here, and he just got sold into slavery, and really, I think he was a good-willed person just telling his dreams to his brothers and his parents, going, hey, this is, this is what I think God's telling me, that one day I'm going to probably be your guys' rulers, and them, them getting upset with him and throwing him into a cistern and then selling him off to be a slave. And now we find him as a slave, but there's one thing out of this story that, that I find incredibly interesting, and it's kind of your first note. And, I, and so if you're taking notes with me this morning, you can pull out your, uh, pull out your bulletin. And the, that very first note under reunion and redemption in the life of Joseph is this, is that we cannot let our current circumstances dictate our present character. We cannot let our current circum circumstances dictate our present character find it interesting that he's sold into slavery. And what's the, I, what's the first thing that you would do if you found out that you were completely and utterly locked, like completely feel like you absolutely have no hope? 
I mean, for some of us, it's just we would just sit down and break down and just cry. Just weep going, I have no direction. I'm never going to get out of this, right? We'd start punching steering wheels, which is not my proudest moment, by the way, and I can't believe I'm telling you that. Or would we be fighting and would we like go against the, kick against the goad constantly and go, you don't understand, I'm supposed to be somebody important. You don't understand, my family's back there. You're not listening to me, you got the wrong guy. I'm more important than this. But instead in, in that moment, Joseph does what his center character is, is he keeps doing the things of God. And I love it because in the scripture it says that God gave him favor. Not, not Potiphar right away, not the jailer right away, but as he was doing the things that he was supposed to be doing and as he was seeking God, God goes, I'm, I'm going to be with you. His whole center was doing the things of God, not the things that would benefit him better. I heard this story of... Um, some schools closing down in Michigan because of this coronavirus. And a couple of the uh, restaurant owners in their town were really concerned because the kids aren't going to school. And so they, they decided that what they were going to do is just say, hey, kids, when you're hungry, come to our restaurant and we'll feed you. Because we know that you're not getting fed at home. Talk about something that doesn't Make the bottom line go further for you. But we can't let our current circumstances dictate our present character. Meaning if we desire to do the things of God, that's what we keep on doing. And we understand that, wait a second, where is my sin in this? I mean, I, I love this so much that Joseph found favor, or God gave Joseph favor, favor so much that Potiphar and the jailer, it says in the scripture, that they had no worries of what they were doing in their life. They knew that things were getting taken care of. And so I think, I look at that and I go, when we are searching God and we're doing the things of God, that those around us, they just start to know that, yeah, it's, we, we don't have any worries. Yep, you're, I know that they're going to do what's right. They don't have any extra stress. They're not being, they're, they don't have extra stress heaped onto them, but they're going, man, I can be freed up to do other things. There's been some churches that uh, have, that have gone to all online streaming for this. That's really good for them. And, and I've been reading all their responses and one of, one of the things it said is, but don't let our online service take place of what you're supposed to do to lead your family. And spend some extra time worshiping with them today. Spend more time reading scripture with them. I think that when we come across things that really move us off center is the time in which we really want to look for reunion and redemption that much more. We want things to be whole again, to be a unified whole again, but we also want to be saved from our current situation. But our character, our character is something that I wonder if, it's a, if, if we really truly are saying, yeah, I want this or is it all about us? And then we get a perfect example later on some, some so many years ago 
or so many years later with Jesus Christ, don't we? I mean, I could go into so many details, and I'm going to back up a little bit. I can go into so many details of Joseph's life, right, that you could sit there and go, well, what, what about him and his relationship with Potiphar's wife and all of that sort of stuff and, and, and go into that detail. The, the biggest detail I, I have in all of that is flee from sin. Just flee from it. Do what's right. So when we come to Christ, we see three things that are the exact same thing in Christ's life that are in Joseph's life. Is, and so if you're taking notes, here it is. You ready? He was falsely accused. Christ doing nothing wrong doing everything that the Father is asking him, is falsely accused. Jesus was faithful amid temptations. And I'm going to get to that in a little bit because we need him to be completely sinless. I'm not saying that Joseph was sinless at all because we talked about that last week about, hey, what about the pride that wells up in him telling the stories about his dreams? And number three, Jesus was also thrown into prison. There's a big difference between Jesus and Joseph, by the way. <laughs> and all of us know that all, all of these years later, but Jesus' life came because reunion and redemption was needed. Joseph's life is just kind of a, man, a precursor going, this is what's going on in the world and we need reunion and redemption and Jesus Christ could actually bring it so many years later. In fact, actually, Isaiah 53, 3 through 5 says this. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and, he, and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment from his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion and crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. Joseph's whole entire point of what he had to go through was to actually set up Israel as a nation. Jesus, what he goes through, once again, like we talked about it last week, is he came to save an entire humanity. But we would look at both lives and go, man, what a horrible turn of events for both of them. Joseph was a guy who had to respond to his circumstances. Jesus, on the other hand, already knew exactly what he came to do. Jesus says this in John 4, 14, 30 through 35. He says, he says, I don't have much time to talk to you because the ruler of this world, approach, uh, world of this, the ruler of this world approaches he has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. His whole entire point was doing what the Father's will was. Sometimes we have to search that out a little bit, don't we? Whereas Jesus automatically knows right away, here we go, I'm doing what the Father asks of me. 
Later on, we know that for the joy set before him, Jesus endures the cross. The whole point is for reunion and redemption. But the question for me is, where does that leave us today? Where does that leave us in so many thousands of years later after Jesus' life? And just like Joseph is kind of uh, uh, an alliteration or an allusion to Jesus, I think Joseph is an example of us as well. Meaning that we are complete slaves. We're slaves to sin. We are constantly sinning over and over again. I would think that I would look at the life of Joseph and I would go, well, I'm just going to do whatever I can to just get by, right? And what I mean by getting by is just to save my own skin. But we do that a lot, don't we? And I wonder if our mindset should be, we don't want to just do what's right so we can get by. We want to do what's right because that's what's right. Romans 6, 16 through 23 says this as we read it. It says, don't you realize that you, became, you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey? You can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. Thank God. Once you were slaves to sin, but now you are wholeheartedly obey his teachings we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weakness of your human nature, I am using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all of this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led, over, which led ever deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that end in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that led, lead to holiness and result in eternal life. For the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. You see, Christ gives us that opportunity to have reunion and redemption. Whereas before, I, I think that we just hope that we're doing the right things so that we can get favor from God. But through Jesus Christ, we now know that God has given us favor already. It's not based on who we are but it's based on what he's done for us. I'm going to ask the uh, worship band to come up this morning as we kind of close the service. But while, while they're coming up, I, I'm going to have you guys watch the, the next little bit of Cardboard Testimonies because when I talk about us wanting to do what's right, and there doesn't, Tony, just let you know, there's no sound, anything like that. Don't worry about it. Just we'll let it play. But one of the things about these Cardboard testimonies that we've got is that it's clear to me how I look at it going, they want to be slaves to righteousness. They want to do what's right in following Christ. And that's what it means to be a slave, is, is that we turn our allegiance from our own selves to allegiance 
to God. And then that means that no matter if we find ourselves in really weird circumstances, lost, we still have a center. And, and in all reality, we're not ever really lost then, are we? It just means that we find a new place to be following God and saying, God, you are my center. And as we look into God and we go, God, I, I have lost my center. He sits there and he responds and says, that's okay because you can turn your allegiance to me. Don't get lost in what's going on around you, but allow my Holy Spirit to guide you and direct you. Every circumstance that comes across our path, God has an answer for. It's found in Scripture. And when we find the place in which we feel like the whole world is against us and we don't know what's going on, nope. The Word of Christ can bring us back and center us once again. Because it's really not about the circumstance, but it is about what God just does in our lives and in our hearts. Because in every single reality there is, it's all about God and not about us. It's about making sure that when we come into cer cer certain circumstances, that we give God glory and we honor Him. And each one of you in this room has a story similar to any of these. And each story is different. And God uses you, uses you to be able to bring him the most glory. But here's the deal. Reunion and redemption doesn't happen unless first we understand the depths of our sins. And we understand that Christ died on the cross for us. You see, just like that verse says, all of us have sinned. And if unforgiven, the sin separates us from God for eternity. But God so loved the world that he gave his son so that anyone who believes in him will never perish but have eternal life. And here's the gospel right here. Jesus, God in the flesh, he came as one of us, modeled a perfect life for us, died because of us and rose victorious so that any one of us by faith in him could be forgiven of our sins given a new life 
given the power to live our lives for him every day, and one day we will spend eternity with him. That's where reunion and redemption begins. That very baseline. And then he can start working everything else. And so if you've never put your faith in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, you can do that today. In a second, I'm going to pray, and you can just repeat that prayer with me in your own heart. But here's the deal. The prayer doesn't save you. Jesus does. Your prayer is simply just an expression of faith in Jesus. And then what we're going to do is we're just going to simply close the service with a song about God's good grace upon our lives. And then if you've said that prayer, if you are just, hey, I need a recenter, if you need prayer this morning, I'll be up here and you can come and pray with me. And I'll pray for you. There could even be other people who come up here and want to pray with you. If you're going to make that decision, tell somebody about it. If you just simply need a recenter this morning, and go, man alive, I feel like I've been a slave to so many other things, but God, I'm coming back. There's this verse in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 and 15, and it says, because God's children's Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil. We had the power, we, I'm sorry, he broke the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. We don't want to be slaves of anything else except for slaves to God and so you can simply pray this prayer and for those of you who have given your life over to Christ for many years that's the exact same prayer we need every single day so let's pray God today I realize that you need to be my center that God my sin has separated me from you that you have forgiven me of that sin and you've asked me to turn my life over to you. So God, I do that today. Whatever circumstances come my way, I'm looking to you. God, I want your righteousness to be a part of my life. And I thank you for your son paying my price so that I could have eternal life with you. In your name we pray, amen. Let's worship together. Thanks for joining us again for another sermon of the GEC podcast. Connect with us at GlasgowEC.com or every Sunday morning at 10 here in Glasgow, Montana. If you enjoyed this podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review on iTunes. 
because this helps us share the word with more people. See you next week.